Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Free For All Friday. We do have lines open for the first time in a long time. NFL, college football, college basketball leading the way for me. Some NBA, some NHL, some President's Cup golf. College Hoops is back after a light schedule because of exams this past week. Major League Baseball is in the headlines with big names moving on via free agency and probably very soon via trades. There was one headline I promised. As we come back to your calls, intern Will will be the first voice you hear if you dial in 1-800-849-2761. Again, the parameters on Free For All Friday. Fewer guests, more phone calls because our lines are typically busy Monday through Thursday. Every host in the history of sports radio has heard some version of y'all talk too much about this and this and this and not enough about that and that and that. We created Free For All Friday so that you could solve that problem yourself. What do you want to talk about as long as it has to do with sports or, or our syndicated statewide program? You can chime in with your question your comment or your complaint right now lines are open at 1-800-849-2761 more of my thoughts on army navy the heisman trophy presentation and other football including nfl week 15 action after the one headline i promised the new york giants today as we come to eugene and jared and you at 1-800-849-2761 the new york giants of the nfl earlier today waived defensive back janaris jenkins Two days after he had called one of his online or social media critics, quote, and this is his word, of course, a, quote, retard. Janaris Jenkins was called out by some teammates and by the, the organization on that. I would think most of my audience knows how and why that would be offensive here in 2019 and, frankly, for a long, long time. Janaris Jenkins two days ago used the word and one day ago was asked to respond about his use of the word. He said, among other things yesterday, that his usage of the R word was, quote, slang, that's just part of my culture, and he added that that's how we talk to each other in the hood. Again, Janaris Jenkins' words, not my words. Veteran cornerback waived earlier today by the New York Giants two days after what were deemed to be inappropriate remarks on Twitter. Question to you, of course, and a byproduct of this whole thing, is this political correctness gone wrong, or is this the right thing to do for an NFL franchise to discipline one of its players this way? Giants coach Pat Shermer met with Jenkins on Wednesday and said in a statement today that Jenkins' refusal to admit that what he did was wrong was the biggest factor in his dismissal. And I get this, right? As a business owner myself, if you had an unfortunate use of a word and you were apologetic and you said, I know I was wrong and I'll never do it again and I'm embarrassed, I'm sorry, I didn't realize maybe in some context that so many people would be offended and I didn't even know why in other contexts why people would be offended – if you were apologetic, if you said you wouldn't do it again, I would consider your body of work, and I would consider not firing you. If your reaction to the pushback on your use of whatever word, in this case the R word, is, you know, that's just how we roll in my hood, I'm going to have to fire you. I, I need to see more remorse. I need to see more I'm willing to change. I need to see more I'm willing to listen about why, if I didn't already know why this word was inappropriate, I'm willing to listen about why, and even if this is the way I was raised, and this is how we talk in the hood, and this is the slang in my culture, I'm willing to listen, and I'm willing to change my ways after listening 
about what is appropriate and inappropriate and why something is inappropriate or appropriate. Shermer said, quote, this was an organizational decision, and you can react to this if you like, political correctness gone wrong or the right thing to do, 1-800-849-2761. From ownership to management to our football operations, Giants coach Pat Shermer said, we felt it was in his best interest it was in the best interest of the franchise and the player for him to move on. Obviously, what happened this week, and here's the key, and the refusal to acknowledge the inappropriate and offensive language was the determining factor in his dismissal. Political correctness gone wrong or the right way to run your NFL or professional sports organization. You can chime in with your thoughts. I will certainly offer mine, 1-800-849-2761. Todd wants in on the best Christmas gift ever. Eugene wants in on the NFL weekend to come. Jared wants to talk football as well at 1-800-849-2761. I learned this stuff a long, long time ago. I'm a little disappointed that people are still learning this in, in 2019. But when it comes to things like race and religion and national origin and disabilities or, or other just, you know, my way's the right way, but those who are not like me, like my color, my church, my whatever, you know, we're right and they're wrong. I mean, it's, it's so nonsensical and offensive that it's sad to me, sincerely, that so many people just don't object to the most outrageous things that we see sometimes in society. Again, I learned it literally decades ago. My kids learned it by the age of 10, and yet many American adults still haven't figured these things out. I, here's one way to put it, and yes, I would have fired or waived, technically speaking, Janaris Jenkins of the New York Giants if I were in their shoes as well. Again, anybody can make a mistake if you're defiant about it, if you show an unwillingness to be a part of a healthier culture. Yes, you're risking your job, and if I'm the decision maker, I want everybody to feel like it's a safe place to work. And no, you can't use the N-word, even if that's how you were raised. And no, you can't use the R word, even if that's how you guys talk in the hood. It's not okay. And I'm going to explain why it's not okay, whether it's the NFL context or my own sports media business. And if you can't see the bigger picture and you're unwilling to change or even say you were wrong, it's time for you to hit the highway. It's not just a my way or the highway thing when it comes to every rule and how I run my business. I disagree with my employees over the years many, many, many times. Intelligent minds, fair-minded people can disagree on all sorts of things, and you work through it the best you can, and you keep moving. Some things are just not acceptable, and either you understand it and admit it and apologize when you're wrong and say you're willing to change, or you're not. I can say as a matter of principle, if you, anybody listening in my audience, you were caught in recent years as an adult mocking openly a disabled person, Caught on video. This is not when you were eight years old, not when you were in little, you know, kindergarten, did something stupid. It was wrong then, but you're an adult. Maybe you're even a senior citizen, and you're actually caught on video. This is not rumor. This is not a debate. You're caught on video openly mocking a disabled person. I would not hire you to clean up after the pets at the Westminster Dog Show if you were caught openly mocking a disabled person on video as an adult. That's how seriously I would take something like that. 26% of eligible American voters put that same person in higher office after seeing him openly mock a disabled person as an adult caught on video. 
I, I wouldn't, you're not qualified to be my janitor. Not that there's anything wrong with being a janitor. You're not qualified to cut my lawn if you do something that outrageous. I wonder sometimes, is this like 1920 or is this 2019? We can all do so much better. And the enabling of the most outrageous, offensive, unacceptable behavior, the enabling and sometimes support of such outrageous, disgusting, something is horribly wrong with you. Something is horribly wrong with you. If your reaction to a disabled person is to openly mock their physical limitations for all the world to see, something's horribly wrong with you. And yet some will sell their souls and hitch their wagon to that same person. Janoris Jenkins needs to understand that what he said was wrong. His unwillingness, it's not that he screwed up. We all screw up. We all misjudge. We can't read everybody's minds, and maybe in your neighborhood, this word or that is not painful. And as an adult, you realize it's painful to many. You change your ways. You adapt. You learn. You become a better version of yourself. Never, never enable and support and advance the idiots who do such things. The despicable, outrageous people. You'd never, ever allow probably your own child to do something like that. Or maybe you would, which makes you an even worse person. It, it is stunning and bordering on depressing to me, the number of people who apologize for such outrageous stuff. It's, it's incredible. And I would say after five decades of life, one of the most surprising and disappointing realizations of my entire life as an American. That's, that's, how, that's what this Janaris Jenkins story to me symbolizes. Those who do it and make mistakes, you get the benefit of the doubt in my eyes. When you're defiant and you just keep doing the outrageous, despicable, offensive stuff. Oh, somebody's not like me because of the color of their skin or they're disabled or where they're from or the church they go to. Oh, as long as they're like me, they get the benefit of the doubt. They're a little different. I'm just going to openly mock them for one or more of those reasons. I, I, seriously, you're not only disqualified from higher office or my vote, an educated vote as an American. You're disqualified from my NFL football team, and no, you're not allowed to sweep the floors or clean the bathrooms in my company. That's how serious I am. Because if you enable such things and you claim to want to be a part of a better world or a better country, you're a joke. You're an embarrassment. You're a hypocrite. 1-800-849-2761. Sorry to waffle so much on these issues, but you know I take such things very seriously. Joe in Winston-Salem, you're next on The David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Yeah, my uh, my son's autistic, and I've had in the past I had some friends that would say something inappropriate, like retard or something like that, and I'd say, "Hold on." Yes. And I call them on it, but then they apologize. Yes. And I'm fine with that. Yes. Uh, everybody makes a mistake, but if they didn't apologize to me about that, they wouldn't be my friend anymore. Hell yeah, Joe. Hell damn yes. That's the right way to do it. You draw a damn line about something important and you enforce the line. Even if they're good in other ways, even if they're friends to you in other ways, that's outrageous. You would not be a good dad or a good family man if you, oh, I guess I just look at it a little differently than that guy and he's going to mock my child and not apologize for it. It is unbelievable the number of people who will sell their soul that way. I'm glad you stood up in that circumstance the way you did. And the beauty is... If you give a chance, if you give the person who's the wrongdoer a chance, 
to think and take a step back and look at something in a new perspective. I, I hope that I think in my experience as well as Joe's, most of the time they'll say, man, you know, I, I didn't realize that came out that way or it was interpreted that way. I would never do that. I don't think that way. I don't, I don't dislike your child or whatever. I apologize. I'll never do it again. We all keep moving. We all keep moving, right? I can live with that. We, we all have all sorts of imperfections. We're all learning something new every day. The enabling of that stuff. Or, gosh, I don't know if it's my place to step into this. Wow. I, I like 99% of what I've learned from the Southern culture, more genteel, less confrontational. If you're not willing to be confrontational about the most outrageous, despicable bigotry, racism, sexism, mockingly, openly mocking the disabled person, where the hell is your line? Do you have one? Have you sold your soul entirely? I applaud what you did, Joe. This sort of stuff happens every day in American life. If you're not calling it out, you're enabling it. If you forward bigoted, racist, sexist emails on your, your email inbox without checking to see they're, whether they're true or not, you're not only tolerating racism or sexism or bigotry or, or whatever, you're advancing it. If you received an email calling out your race or your religion or your whatever, and it looked really negative, you'd say, man, this, I don't, I'm not going to forward this email. It's about my tribe. I better double check it to see if it's true. And of course, nine times out of 10, these chains e chain emails with 60 seconds worth of effort in an internet world, you realize that the chain email anti this, anti that, anti this has already been debunked a hundred times. But when, it, when you get the same email about somebody who's not your color, your church, your whatever, you just forward it blindly. And you, and you go to church on Sunday and claim to be a good person. If you're enabling this stuff, if you're not drawing these lines, if you're forwarding negative things blindly about others, but you'd never forward anything negative about your tribe, your last name, your whatever, holy cow, how much more can you sell your soul? It, it's just unbelievable to me. 1-800-849-2761. Jake is in Wilmington and next on the David Glenn Show. Hey, Jake, what's going on? Hey, how are you today? I'm doing well, overall. Well, I want to comment on the, uh, the latest topic you were discussing. Uh, my former wife had an uncle who was uh, uh, mentally retarded and uh, lived with us for about 10 years. And uh, I'm going to tell you right now, the people that make fun of these people or make fun of anybody is because they haven't spent any time around them. Mm -hmm. Billy had more love in him and his little finger than most people have in their entire bodies. I get it. And he was just a great guy. My, and, older, uh, my older sister is a special education teacher. And when I visit her classroom, I am stunned at the level of connection she has as somebody who's been doing it for decades with folks who in some cases not only have physical limitations and are in wheelchairs, et cetera, but incredibly uh, overpowering, you know, ver verbal limitations. So I, as an untrained person, just a regular dude, 
I had great trouble communicating with my sister's students. She has a bond with these young people that their parents say are, you know, better bonds than anybody besides their own mom or their own dad or, or maybe a sibling. So she has that special place in those folks' lives. And, you know, one thing that even in a depressing time in American history for me personally, disgraceful time for me personally in a lot of ways as an attorney or as an American citizen, the things that I see that people enable and apologize for just completely outrageous. I'll never look at certain people the same way because of what they, what they enable and what they support with their vote or their voice or their forwarded emails or whatever. I'll just never look at people the same way. Even if they change, I'll, I'll never look at them the same way. You know, the reality is, and this is kind of the brighter side of humanity, if you will, and there's example after example after example of people who grew up, whatever, racist or anti-LGBT or mocking disabled people or whatever, exposure to people in this category. Maybe your mom and dad were racist. Maybe grandma and grandpa were racist. This governor, this state has had blatantly racist governors over the years. Uh, churches all over the South have had blatantly racist preachers, etc., cetera, uh, for decades. You know, so if you inherit that, if that's in your family tree religiously or, uh, you know, what is handed down from generation to generation, not genetically, but in the broader sense, it's hard to fight through that, and it's just not easy. You know, Janaris Jenkins, this is how we talk in the hood. This is my culture. This is how we use slang, right? Okay, well, you know, we all come from different backgrounds, but do you want to get better is the bottom line. And for the most part, whereas, you know, 30 years ago, LGBT issues were, uh, let's just say there wasn't a lot of progress in our country, as more and more people came into more and more contact with members of that community and realized, wow, they're just people like you and me, man. They have problems like you and I have. They have challenges like you and I have. And, you know, it's this, in this particular category, they just look at the world differently than I do. And, and rather than being scared or bigoted or, you know, calling out that kid at school because you're just that ignorant and maybe you inherited that from your parents, almost all of this stuff, the decision all of us have to make if we inherit uh, various tendencies toward racism or sexism or bigotry is not, you know, I wish I was born into a different family or lived in a different neighborhood or, or was raised in a different church is, well, what am I going to do about it now? What am I going to do about it now? For generations, people are born into different circumstances. It's not your fault if you had racist parents or grandparents or whatever. It's not your fault if you grew up with a tendency that, you know, and I deal with this all the time in my job as an advisor to my colleagues in the media, sports and non-sports, female sports writers get attacked in ways that we as male sports writers never get attacked. You know, if I do or say something, you come after me, whatever, there's all sorts of stupidity on social media, and I roll my eyes at most of it because of it's uneducated and it's coming from people in many cases who couldn't even debate the topic we're talking about. Like, yeah, you need, can you spell emoluments clause before we get into a debate about whether it's being violated or not? We end up with that a lot. But if you were raised in a world that produces you, you know, searching for photos of the female sports writer to attack her, Right? You're going to find some compromising or goofy or whatever photo. You're not going to do that for the guy sports writers. So, so why are you doing it for the woman? So ask yourself that question. And maybe you were raised in a sexist culture. So do you want to die racist and bigoted and sexist? Or do you want to try to find a better way? That, that's what it's all about, man. And, and in this particular case, just completely underlines it. Janaris Jenkins uses the R word. Hey, man, slang, part of my culture. That's how we talk to each other in the hood. All right. 
well, it's 2019, man. We, we've got a franchise to run. Are, are you, you going to change your ways? And he, he, he repeatedly resisted apologizing or even saying that he had used an inappropriate word. Guess what, man? In my company, you're fired. You're certainly never going to get my vote, but you're also fired. The New York Giants came to that same conclusion today. Veteran cornerback Janaris Jenkins shown the door, yes, for the use of a word, but even more so and far more so, actually, the refusal to admit that it was inappropriate, that he was wrong, and that he was willing to change his ways. I'd have done the same thing to somebody, whether they were a football player or not. And frankly, I think it's, that's the way it should be. And more people should stand up in similar situations all the time rather than going, or going along in their merry way, ostrich head in the sand style, as all sorts of chaos is surrounding them. But they would just rather not get involved. 1-800-849-2761. Back to your phone calls in the spirit of free-for-all Friday. You never know where we're going to go. I do have more on the NFL, college basketball, college football, even some President's Cup golf, some Canes hockey, some L.A. Lakers NBA action, some Major League Baseball free agency. Soccer is descending upon the state of North Carolina. An MLS franchise will be announced for Charlotte officially next week. And the College Cup, the final four of the men's soccer tournament, is right here in our backyard. More on those stories with more of your phone calls. We are also saluting the 16 finalists in the high school football playoffs. Eight state champions will be crowned tomorrow at games being played at Duke, Wake Forest, UNC, and NC State. More on those stories with more of your phone calls. 1-800-849-2761. Next on The David Glenn Show. Mike Krzyzewski joining us. We asked folks you work with at Duke if you've changed or mellowed over the years. Well, you know, mellow is having a glass of wine and looking over, you know, the sunset, you know. Uh, I don't see how you can be mellow and coach a game. That can't happen. If it does, then you shouldn't be coaching. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. I just kept faith in my preparation and my work ethic. I, I knew the kind of player I could be. I knew the kind of work I'd put in, and I landed in a great spot and have had great people around me my entire life, and that's really you know, enabled me to have this season. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. That was LSU's record-setting quarterback, Joe Burrow. I voted for him in the awards that he picked up last night. I am not a Heisman voter, but he is expected to grab that one as well tomorrow night in New York City. Heisman voters call it as easy a vote as they've had in a long time. Tim Brando of Fox Sports, our guest this week, said exactly that. LSU QB Joe Burrow will be the winner. There are three others there in New York tomorrow night. As on the field, it's Army-Navy, the 120th installment of that legendary football rivalry. Navy had won 14 in a row. And now Army has won the last three. Navy is 9-2 and two and the favorite this year. If you're into ground attacks, Navy has the number one rushing offense in all of FBS football, and Army has the number two rushing offense in all of FBS football. Appreciate John Feinstein, who lit literally wrote the book on Army-Navy football, for dropping by just yesterday. Steven in Surf City has college football on his mind. Todd in Raleigh has a Christmas gift idea. Eugene in Mills River has the NFL on his mind. You can be next at 1-800-849-2761. That is your ticket into the program. One quick thing I promised as we come to Steven in Surf City. There is no college football playoff angst about the four teams that got in. It turned out to be really easy this year. Three teams were 13-0 in conference champions, 
And then the Oklahoma Sooners, while 12-1, and one, were also Power 5 champions, in their case the Big 12, of course. And nobody else in the Power 5 had a one-loss resume or a no-loss resume. So it was relatively easy. Just pick those four, not much debate, not much angst about that portion of the equation. As you wonder about even if it worked this year, is it really the best format? And you all know Tim Brando wants an 18 bracket. A lot of you have proposed 16 brackets, 18 brackets. Other levels of NCAA football, remember, have 16-team brackets or 24-team brackets. You know, the FCS playoffs continue tonight. They're down to their Elite Eight, but they've got a mega bracket to get all the way to the national championship. Former Elon head coach, Coach Kurt Signetti, leads James Madison into that Elite Eight tonight. They're on national TV. That, of course, is Mike Houston's former team. The current ECU Pirates head coach helped build the monster that Coach Signetti is leading into the Elite Eight tonight. James Madison and North Dakota State happen to be the heavy co-favorites in that particular bracket. But I was intrigued to hear Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott speak this week. And as we come back to your calls, Stephen and Todd and Eugene and you, not necessarily in that order, 1-800-849-2761. If you're John Swafford, the ACC commissioner, in the six years of this format, you're six out of six. Remember, it was Dabo, Sweeney, and Clemson these last five years, but also it was FSU before that. So you're six as a conference, you've never been left out. Only six years of this format, but you've never been left out. If you're the SEC, you've never been left out. Five years in a row, it was Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide, right? This year, no Nick Saban in the Tide, but the LSU Tigers are in as the number one overall seed. So the only two Power Five leagues that are six for six are the ACC and the SEC. If you're the Pac-12, you have missed this four times in six years. You are losing millions of dollars in revenue that goes to the leagues and the teams that make the Final Four. And you're kind of damaging your brand to a degree. Wait a minute, you're a Power Five conference, but you're only in the biggest dance of all four times, twice rather, in six years. You missed it four times. Larry Scott was asked if he believes there is a chance in the near future to move off of the four-team format. This is a guy, businessman extraordinaire, came from beyond college sports, definitely knows how to count beans, definitely knows how to sort of uh, put his finger in the air and see which way the wind is blowing in terms of decision makers. And Larry Scott of the Pac-12 even said, I don't see this format changing anytime soon. These contracts are written through 2026. Doesn't mean you can't revisit them. But if ESPN is happy and the TV executives are happy and college football fans may complain, but they're still watching some of these games in huge numbers, others not as much. But Larry Scott, as a guy kind of on the outside looking in from the Power 5 perspective, yeah, I'd like to see it go to 8 as well, he said, but I don't see that happening until the current contracts expire after the 2026 season. That means after this year, You've got seven more years of the four-team bracket. No angst because of the easy Final Four selections this time. There's going to be angst. There's going to be a lot of angst one of these years where that fifth team is a lot more deserving than the fifth team was this particular season. Stephen, welcome to the David Glenn Show. You have college football on your mind. Steer our ship on Free for All Friday. Go right ahead. 
I don't think Pac-12 has a dog in the fight. If you beat the people you're supposed to beat, we wouldn't be having this. Amen. Correct. You know, I mean, win your games and then then come back and talk to us. Yep. Uh, every couple of years, I'll call in, especially since Clemson's been where they are now, and I ask you, is Clemson a dynasty now? <laughs> and just to give your um, callers a, a little bit of history. Uh, since Dabo took over in 2009, Clemson has played in seven of the last ten ACC championships. They've won six of them in the last five in a row. Oh, yeah. And none of them were even really close. Since the bowl playoff series has started, Clemson's been in there three times, and they've won two. They now own the longest ongoing college football winning streak. Um, the longest ever was Oklahoma Sooners. And just you were just talking about North Dakota State was right there behind them. Right. Um, uh, and we just saw an outstanding performance from probably the MVP of the NFL um, last night, right? Yep. Well, that, that quarterback got beat twice by Clemson in 2016. <laughs> One was a blowout by a kid you probably don't remember named Kelly Bryant. Oh, yeah. He was the starter. Well, he got hurt, and then this other no-name backup named Deshaun Watson came in and beat him and won probably one of the greatest college football games I've ever seen. And so knowing all that now, and if you're not going to say they're a dynasty, what's it going to take yeah. for you to say that the oh, man. Tigers are you're, now a dynasty? You're preaching to the choir here, man. If you called me a year ago at this time, I, I already would have agreed to you with you. I mean, you're preaching to the choir in the sense that as a guy who interviews Dabo Sweeney here on a regular basis, and in my case, you know, I'm the guy who created the ACC Sports Journal at accsports.com 25 years ago and built them into the most successful conference-oriented magazine and website in the history of the world seriously you know I know ACC history well enough to tell you that even before Dabo Sweeney turned 50 years old I was describing him as, as one of the two most successful football coaches in the history of a conference that's more than 65 years old so it's Bobby Bowden of Florida State and it's Dabo Sweeney of Clemson and in terms of dynasties there are really only two in ACC football. There are others in ACC basketball, Duke under Coach K, UNC under Dean Smith, even UNC under Roy Williams, and even others. But in ACC football, man, it's it's Bobby Bowden and the Florida State Seminoles of the 1990s and even beyond a little bit. And it's Dabo Sweeney and the modern-day Clemson Tigers. Five straight ACC championship games won. Yeah, I was there for all of them, so I, I do have to tell you that the first two of those five were close games against UNC and Virginia Tech. The last three have been absolute routes of Miami and Pitt and this year UVA. But everything else you said is accurate. And, and here's one thing to bolster your argument, Stephen, not that you need to, to improve it at all, but we live in a state where at the FBS level, 10 win seasons are really rare. NC State has played football for more than 100 years. The Wolfpack has exactly one season in its history of 10 or more victories. Uh, Wake Forest has a couple, one or two. You know, Duke has one, I think, or two maybe. UNC has a handful. Under Dabo Sweeney, for the last nine years in a row, Dabo Sweeney has more, more 10 or more win seasons in a row than most of our schools have in the history of their schools combined, in the, uh, in the history of their programs combined. Like, you could add ECU's 10-win seasons, and I know App State is changing this since they jumped to the FBS level, and they're cranking out double-digit win totals. But prior to the Mountaineers' arrival at the FBS level, I'm serious, 
Look up every season in Wake football history, every season in Duke football history, every season in Wolfpack football history, every season in ECU football history. I'll even throw in the South Carolina Gamecocks, every season in South Carolina football history. Dabo has more or as many 10 or more win seasons in a row by himself. Not all of Clemson football, just Dabo Clemson football. Then those five or six other FBS programs combined have in a century. I mean, chew on that for a while. If that's not a dynasty, I don't know what is. So I'm with you, Stephen, man. You and I can teach that class, brother, because Dabo Sweeney is that good in the record books, even as he just turned 50. And this Clemson Tigers story is a dynasty. Two out of three national titles and all those other consistent success, you know, national top five seasons left and right. No matter what happens in the playoff, they're going to finish in the national top five, right? That's going to be five years in a row. I've been in the state for 33 years. Do you know how many top five football teams I've seen at the FBS level in this state? So think about it. 33 years of me covering it. Right now, there's seven different FBS schools. In those 33 years, seven different FBS schools for all or part of that time. Some joined more recently, obviously. How many top five seasons have I witnessed from all North Carolina FBS football programs combined? Answer, one. One in 33 years for all the schools combined at the FBS level. Dabo's working on his fifth in a row. I mean, it's just crazy. It's All things are relative, and I know Clemson measures itself against you know Alabama and Ohio State and others. They're not measuring themselves anymore against the Gamecocks or these teams in North Carolina, but it is mind-boggling what the Tigers have accomplished. Two of the last three national titles, and remember last year was the first 15-0 season in the history of college football. I mean, Dabo's a Hall of Famer. Dabo's going to surpass Bobby Bowden as the greatest football coach. How much fun do we have on the basketball side? Oh, it's Mike Krzyzewski, and it's Dean Smith, and it's Roy Williams. Three guys right in our neighborhood are considered three of the five greatest coaches in the history of college basketball, the history of college basketball. On the football side, the pickings are not quite slim, but not as good. And Dabo Sweeney is already up there next to Bobby Bowden of Florida State in almost seven decades of ACC football. And I know Nick Saban is still above him on the GOAT list. You know, Bear Bryant, the old school Alabama guy. There are others, but Dabo just turned 50. So imagine what he's going to add to an already dynastic resume. Well done, Stephen. Thanks for listening from the beach. Back to your free-for-all Friday phone calls on the other side. Questions, comments, complaints. Todd and Eugene and Matt and you can be next with your question, comment, or complaint. 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. The David Glenn Show, where the great guests have so much fun, they never want to leave. I'll come give you a pep talk before your next show if you need me to. We could use that from you, Webb Simpson, anytime. Hey, I'll be your intern after this. Is everything open, man? We'll take Joe Harris as an intern every day <laughs> and twice on Sunday. Listen weekdays to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Free For All Friday. More calls, fewer guests every Friday. Todd and Raleigh 
has a Christmas gift idea, somehow perhaps related to the sports world. Matt is in Greensboro and has the NBA on his mind. It is week 15 in the NFL. It's Army-Navy weekend in college football. The FCS playoffs continue. There are early NFL entries left and right in college football. The coaching carousel continues to spin. We celebrate Sean Clark, former Mountaineers offensive lineman as the new head coach at App State with Eli Drinkwitz off to Missouri. That was a hot topic of conversation all week. You can jump in perhaps on something you missed Monday through Thursday when the lines were jammed. Steer our ship, free-for-all Friday style, as we're halfway to Margaritaville and coming back to your calls now. 1-800-849-2761. Anything in the sports world, fair game for your question, comment, or complaint. Todd in Raleigh, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, David, how you doing? I'm Great doing Christmas. well. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, so, you know, my boys are athletes. They've all played baseball. I got a 10-year-old, a 19-year-old, 22-year-old now. And, uh, you know, my, my youngest son and I, we have a YouTube page where we open up all kinds of sports cards every time I get to see him when it's my time. And uh, I was like, oh, maybe it'd be cool if I could get a baseball card or something with, with their image on it. So I went to topstoday.com and Every one of my boys have a baseball card now. They're going to get 20 of them. It's custom, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's really cool stuff. I'm very excited. I can't wait to see how they react to it. But, but it's a really cool thing, you know, just be able to put your kids on a card and hand them their own trading card, which is really cool. Very cool. I forget, you know, how long that's been around because I, I remember somewhat it coming along after my days playing baseball back in the day. I wish we had that then. Yeah, yeah. I think it's been around a few years. It's done by Topps Baseball Cards yeah. or Topps USA. That's pretty cool. You can cool. go to their website and do custom cards. It's like nine ninety nine for for twenty cards. Not bad. Excellent use of your free-for-all Friday freedoms there, Todd. Thank you for contributing to the program. Matt is in Greensboro and next on the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, DG. Um, just wanted to bring up uh, Google of the Charlotte Hornets, uh, who were supposed to be a god-awful, terrible team by most people's uh, you know, uh, estimation. And, and Including mine, to be fair, man. In, I didn't yeah, expect – and, and they're not good, but uh, they're not as bad as I thought. No, they are worth watching, at least, and, and it's primarily because of Devontae Graham, who is as much of a prize as the team as a whole. You know, uh, he, he's been incredible this year at really, you know, easing the uh, thing of losing the, you know, Kimball Walker. Um, I'm not saying he's as good as Timba yet, but yeah. uh, as far as, you know, where they were at when they were both you know, 24 years old, uh, he, he's certainly a better shooter right now than uh, Timba was early on. You know, he took a while to develop his shot. Uh, but, I mean, he, he's out there. I mean, the game last week against Brooklyn, out there just hitting dagger threes late in the game, uh, you know, scored 40 points. Yeah, 40 as points. A, 40 points. Was, yeah, I mean, that was as good of a performance as any game. Uh, I've seen from Kimba, you know, recently. So, uh, you know, and, and Devontae's actually on pace right now to make over 300 three-pointers, which has only been done by, you know, Seth Curry and James Harden. Do you have a sense as a Hornets fan how much our state's sports fans appreciate this story? Because for those who don't know, the Charlotte Hornets are only 11-16, and 16, so it's not like they're in the playoff hunt or anything like that. But Devontae Graham essentially a year ago was a fringe player bouncing between the G League in Greensboro and the Charlotte Hornets parent club roster. It is incredibly rare in the NBA to go from being that fringe player in one year 
to the guy leading the team in scoring on many nights and putting up 40 burgers from time to time. He's just lighting it up from three-point range. He's originally from Broughton High School right here in Raleigh. He ended up with the Kansas Jayhawks. Everybody saw him in March Madness and otherwise at the college level. And, you know, usually in the NBA, of course you improve over year, the years, but typically the guys who end up playing this well were close to that when they got to the NBA, right? It's not like we didn't know who LeBron was, even though he wasn't as good his first year as he turned out to be basically as an all-star every year after that. Uh, the highest draft picks, right? Almost all the all-stars are first-round picks, and most of them are lottery picks. Devontae Graham is a second-round pick that has turned out about as well as, you know, maybe Draymond Green and a handful of other second-round picks uh, you know, are, are truly longer-term success stories. But I wonder how many people notice the Hornets story because, folks, when, when you judge, let's just say, you know, NFL is not really a, a local market TV sport, right? All your games are on national TV and football. And we know those ratings are through the roof, not only for the Panthers but for the entire league. When you compare – let's say NBA local ratings or, or NHL local ratings, Major League Baseball, you know, if you've ever wondered why do the Yankees have so much money to spend on all these free agents, take a look at the money they make off of their local TV deal. Of course, some games in Major League Baseball are part of a national TV contract, and they share that money. But you also have a huge, lucrative, especially in the big market, local TV deal and the Yankees print money with that, and some of the other big market teams do as well. The Hornets are not a big market, and their ratings are not good. Sometimes even in years where they squeak into the playoffs, their local TV ratings are not good. So as the host of a syndicated statewide show that's heard in more North Carolina cities than any show ever in this state, I sometimes wonder how many people, A, pay close attention to the Hornets beyond the Charlotte market, and B, when a good story comes along like this, we have a very educated statewide audience, but, man, 95% of our emails and tweets and phone calls have nothing to do with the Hornets. Even when they have to do with the NBA, it's usually something else in the NBA. You know, on the night that Devontae Graham this week had 40 for the Hornets, I, James Harden had 50-something. So the conversation is around the 22-3 and three L.A. Lakers as they visit Miami tonight, the 22-3 and three Milwaukee Bucks as they lead the Eastern Conference, or Philly went to Boston and won last night, two of the other contenders in the East. The Rockets and the Clippers, to me, are among the other contenders out West. So there's your top five, and you all know who the All-Stars are. The Hornets have a hard time attracting attention, in part because our statewide audience, I think, has gotten to the point where they're surprised when they make the playoffs and the only player that they really recognized and identified with, Kemba Walker, for this past, you know, half dozen plus years, has been off to the Boston Celtics. Shout out to Devontae Graham. He is absolutely a uh, story worth watching and celebrating. We're back after this. Jerome Robinson, are you a hugger or a handshake guy? H how does it work if Adam Silver is waiting for you? I really don't know. I, I hope it's not awkward. Um, <laughs> you know, I hope it's not like a hand to hug to hand kind of thing, but I don't know. I might just mess around and just hug him. No hands. I think he's so. a hugger. You're listening to the David Glenn Show. Hour three will continue the free-for-all Friday phone calls. We do have lines open for the first time in a long time. You could be next with your question or comment by dialing 1-800-849-2761. Back to your calls next.
Roy Williams, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Last year, two chains came walking by, and he reached his hand down and uh, shook my hand and said, two chains. And about five seconds after he walked away, I said, I missed a great opportunity. I should have said three rings. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show.